0: Hello lovely listeners. A quick note before we get started. The Gremlins got into our audio. Unfortunately you'll hear a strange noise in the background that we didn't notice while we were recording this episode. But given this episode is about external noises it's actually quite appropriate. So please enjoy your latest episode of Tales from the Dog House Separation Anxiety Explained.
1: Hi everybody, and welcome to Tales from the Dog House, Separation Anxiety Explained. I am Stacy Bell with Focused Fun, and with me
2: is... Hi, this is Sarah from the UK. I'm from Separation Anxiety Solutions, and with me is...
0: Hey, it's Ness Jones, I'm from Australia, and my company is called Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded. Um, I just wanted to quickly, before we get started, ladies, um, talk about something exciting, a new project I've got coming up. It's a door desensitization desensitization online workshop uh, where I um, will walk through the steps of getting your dog used to you walking out the door without them reacting because let's face it if you can't walk to the door without your dog freaking out and carrying on how on earth are you going to start separation anxiety training so this is basically the first step in starting your journey to decoding your dog's separation anxiety so that will be on april the 22nd and it is going to be that's in australia so for many people around the world it will be on april the 21st Um, but if anybody is interested in joining me i will be working with you in real time troubleshooting any issues that come up so we will be doing it via zoom and we'll be able to i'll be able to see exactly what's going on with your dog and making sure that they're they're not reacting um, anybody that can't join me live i will probably uh be making a co- online course about this that's not definite yet but otherwise i'll i might run workshops once a month or every quarter at least anyway so so that's my exciting news um and uh <laughs> Yeah, but if anybody wants to um, join me um, for the workshop, jump on to Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded Facebook page and uh, you'll see the link to it there to sign up. Okay, so what are we talking about today, ladies? We are talking about apartment living as well as external noises that are associated with apartment living and just separation anxiety training in general. So what do you think? Apartments have got a whole host of issues, all of their own. So I think, um, I guess, firstly, uh, one big issue for apartment living would be an external noise, which is just the fact that your dog can hear what's going on next door, maybe able to, if the walls are thin or, you know, it's one of those those unit blocks that we get a lot of them in Australia where the buildings, the units all face each other in a kind of a a circular fashion so that you might look across to your neighbors and the sound echoes around those kind of complexes and that can negatively affect your dog's training
1: yeah so i i kind of think of external noise or environmental noise in two categories when it comes to how it might affect separation anxiety training Um, one is just that It can trigger the dog to bark and um, it can be hard to read sometimes if the dog is barking because they are starting to become anxious that their person is gone or if they're barking just because they hear the sound same as if they would if you were home. So I think that part of it. But then there's also the dogs that are noise phobic, you know, actually fearful of, of the noises that they're hearing outside whether that's thunder or just a loud bang or you know whatever whatever
0: so yeah sure um it could be yeah exter- um garbage trucks or um anything like that people with loud cars strange loud bangs that do occur in apartments when people are working on stuff construction yeah. stuff so how do you reckon yeah. you tell the difference between a dog that is got separation anxiety and one that's just barking because there's a weird noise outside
1: i think the biggest indication would be what do they do when you're home right because if a dog is triggered like my own dog if somebody comes to deliver a package he's gonna bark right yeah so whether or not I'm home, it doesn't matter. So I think knowing what's normal when your dog is is with you can give you a really good read on what's happening when they're they're not with you. So I think one thing to know is if your dog barks at somebody delivering a package and you're home, do they settle on their own or do they need help from you to intervene to help them settle Mm. that's a a important piece of information to have because what can happen is um especially with dogs that are struggle with separation related behaviors is that the the mailman or the package guy in this situation would come and deliver a package and they would bark the same as if you would were if you were home But then they escalate into an anxious response instead of calming down Um, Mm. just because of that. The situation is just a little different with you not home. And um, so that's why that's something that we really like to work on, even if your dog isn't noise phobic. um, I think it's a really useful skill for them to have is to kind of, if they bark, fine. Some people actually prefer when when their dogs bark at people coming to their door as like a
0: safety thing I think it's also really important to know your dog well because I don't know about you guys but I can tell the difference in my dog's bark whether Mm -hmm. it's a bark out of hey I'm alerting that there's somebody at the door or hey I'm barking because there's a threat at the door or I'm barking because I'm scared and and I think a dog that's fearful barks completely differently to a dog that's alerting or 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 you know trying to scare a threat away and if you know your dog well and you know the difference then you know you know you can have a pretty good idea of what's going on
1: and if you don't know you know that's a a time when you try to look at the full picture right like so if you don't know how are the barks different for my dog or maybe for some dogs the barks aren't real different and so it's hard to tell mm-hmm. then you can kind of try to look at the whole picture um, you know the tail position the ear position um you know anything else that might clue you into whether it's a fearful or alert kind
2: of response i'm thinking of apartments and things and about all the different kinds of apartments that we've got and the different kinds of noises that you're likely to get presented with. And I was just, I'm still thinking about the Australian type with the, I'm assuming that's the type with the courtyard in the middle.
0: Yeah, we do have a lot of those. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think, but not necessarily. We
0: also have the buildings with the lifts as well. Um, Yeah. You know, the high rise ones in the cities. I was just because I, I was just thinking about the, the courtyard
2: type things are a whole different ball game compared to the. I don't think we have many like that over here. A lot of them seem to be kind of like tower block apartments or, or the you know the smaller type of blocks where maybe you've got three or four or the the converted houses, but not so much those with the courtyards. And I was just thinking, obviously, with courtyards, you do get a lot of echo, don't you? And that kind of bounce back of sound, which must be quite challenging for some dogs particularly if you get like yeah like you say like building work or fireworks Mm -hmm. Uh, or just like
1: you know if there's a courtyard it encourages people to hang out there and if your dog is sensitive to hearing voices outside um you know that might be a
0: a trigger they often surround pools as well pool areas i think one big challenge for dogs living in apartments would be the ones with thin walls
1: most of them here i think have thin walls
0: Yeah, when they can hear what's going on next door. (laughs) Yeah, that can be a big challenge for dogs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, or above, you know, if you have people above you, that noise can. So what are some things that we would suggest to a client that has a dog that is responsive to noises but not necessarily fearful
0: of well you can try and mask the noise um yeah. so in yeah. management i guess uh in terms <laughs> of um if it's not too hot putting on shutting the windows um but that's obviously still not going to stop some of the noise uh, especially if it's next door um putting on some sort of music or gray noise or white noise or whatever um to mask it things like uh, fans especially those old noisy ones you were talking about in another episode mm-hmm. Stacy um, mm-hmm. you know things like that so kind of a management strategy to, to mask yeah. the noise would be maybe step one
1: yeah I think that is a really solid step one I, it's it's a lot easier than step two um, but step one so I always have people start with management you know how can you turn down the intensity of the outside? noise
0: stimulus mm. um, for the dogs
1: and and did you say weather stripping
0: stripping no I don't I don't strip <laughs> no I'm sorry I, I, I wouldn't go that far <laughs> don't do it
2: <laughs> shove your clothes under the door.
1: <laughs>
2: did you clarify okay, rephrasing, that Stacey? rephrasing
1: rephrasing no, I'm not stripping either. Um, no, I'm I'm talking about um, filling gaps around doors and windows. Um, is that? Do you call it something different than weather stripping, or are you I just? I call crazy? it stripping. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it? Do you mean like draft
0: excluder?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. We call it yeah. weather stripping. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: Okay. The stripping to me is like taking something away not yeah, adding something yeah. <laughs> I suppose you're taking that, the draft away
1: that's really interesting very interesting I'm gonna like
0: you gotta go look for it now aren't
2: <laughs> you Stacey's on the is it something da,
1: da, that I call it weather stripping
0: no it's weather stripping is that
2: because it yeah, comes in
1: strips? well strict? anyways um so what did you call draft protection what did you
2: <laughs> draft, draft excluder
1: draft excluder see that sounds so much better than weather stripping <laughs> um, anyway around doors and windows especially you know a lot of apartments you know maybe go up quickly and aren't the best material so doing something like that can help you know, because most of your sound is going to be around doors and windows. I mean, yes, you have thin walls and maybe ceilings and and that sort of thing. But I do think that sort of thing can really be useful. And, you know, even if you're renting, that's not something that management companies will be upset about. Um, There Aren't there also like curtains that you can put That dampens sound. I mean, I know there's light-proof ones, darkening ones, but I wonder if there's also curtains that can kind of help reduce sounds. Am I making that
2: up? They'd have to be pretty heavy to to make a difference to the sound, really. One of
1: my awesome clients actually got um, new windows put in her apartment because her dog is noise sensitive yeah mm. there's um so just double pane glass would help um yeah mm. there are there they're just like on amazon sound blocking oh, curtains oh
2: there you go mm. it does make you wonder though if they're of the same ilk of some of the other things that people sell to make money that don't necessarily do what it says on the tin
0: yeah
2: yeah it makes you wonder um yeah, because you can get triple glazing now as well, can't you? That's um Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. Even even more ecologically sound and and sound and weatherproofing, etc. Yeah. yeah. But the other the other side of that, I suppose, is is with with the if we're talking about environmental sounds, is that it's and it's not always just to do with where you live sometimes it's the genetics of the dog that make them sound sensitive um which could mean a visit to the vet for perhaps some medical help for that one because when it's a genetic problem it's a whole different ball game
1: are you talking about fearful dogs
2: for sound sensitivity you can it seems to be there's a genetic component to sound sensitivity mm-hmm it's not not just something that happens as they as they grow up for some dogs it's kind of already a bit like separation anxiety it's already been built in. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. often and, and
1: especially for dogs that are fearful of sounds that can start spreading. Like so it might start with thunderstorms and fireworks but then you know, kind of seems to spread to any concussive sound, somebody dropping something, um, somebody hammering, somebody, you know, and then it might, you know, spread to doors slamming. And um, so that is definitely something to um, pay attention to and Mm. get medical intervention if you
0: you need it. Um, I think um, one one big challenge for dogs like that um, would be a lift – coming up and down and it might not be the noise of the lift so much but the the feel of it the rumbling of it um Mm. you know that that um underlying vibration that make they they're so much more sensitive to us they'd probably pick that up a lot easier than what we would and we might be wondering why is my dog suddenly like that and then actually it's because they can hear or feel that vibration from the lift Mm. right
1: right yeah. And it's
0: one of, I mean, the thing
2: with that, I suppose, in an apartment as well is you've got no control over that, have you?
1: None you can whatsoever. Only your own,
2: <laughs> no, you can only control your own environment, not the bit that's outside.
1: Anyways, yeah. So as far as management goes, that, and then also, um, how do you guys feel about noises? Like, you know, the white, brown, pink noise or music or TV? Do you all have a preference in what you suggest for for your
2: clients. i I like brown noise (laughs) and i cannot lie yeah i don't i don't like white noise i've tried white noise because my um ernie uh we live on an estate where they shoot things um so in shooting season it gets quite noisy and initially he found that very difficult when he was young with these strange bangs going off everywhere so I tried white noise, but I, for me, I found that quite painful. Mm-hmm. So I had to have it at a level that was that low that it didn't make any difference. But I don't mind brown noise. I can listen to brown noise and actually fall asleep. And I think it does a really good job of taking extraneous noise out as well, particularly mm-hmm. if you play it alongside television or music. So mm-hmm. you've got two different frequencies doing two different things, and they take out outside stuff fantastically well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I, I like brown noise for that as well. Um, the The problem I have seen with TVs hmm. is not only the dead spaces when there's hmm. not talking. Um, so if you're not overlapping the brown noise in the TV like you're suggesting, um, that can be a problem. But also I have noticed that for some dogs, some TV shows can... well well, like if the dogs are triggered by something like a dog barking on the tv show or Mm. whatever but i've also seen dogs even with just like sitcoms or something like that where people are arguing or something and you can see the dog start to tense up and it's just kind of like okay we you either have to pick a show that's like super soothing or you know or go with some some different type of noise mm. in the background It's a bit
2: like um it's a bit like classical music, isn't it? I know that you get a lot of people who play classical music for the dogs, but some classical music, I mean if you think of like something like Beethoven that's all banging and crashing, it's not very yeah. soothing really, is it? i,
0: I someone get that
1: high note and it's kind yeah. of screechy. And like so I can imagine like for the dogs maybe that's not as as good. I've seen that too where the dogs um, were listening to jazz in this case. And, um, you know, whenever like certain things would happen in the in the music, the dog would look up and become a little unsettled. Um, you know, not was, the end of the world.
0: I was volunteering at a, um, a rescue um, shelter <laughs> and they played classical music and some of it was really nice and soothing and some of it was just like oh, it would have been so stressful for the dogs. I couldn't stand listening to it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst. But, um, yeah, so I think you've got to be cautious about what kind of play, what kind of music you play. Um, yeah. There are, there are um, there's programs like Through a Dog's Ears, which you can buy online, which yeah. um, is supposed to be calming music. They say it's scientifically <laughs> proven, but, you know, I don't know what, how scientifically proven it is to calm dogs um but there's a heap of um anybody that's inter- interested um you can get onto youtube there's a heap of um uh you know like free calming music look up dog anxiety music or dog calming music and uh there's a heap on there um, and
1: also and- on like alexa or google play um in in addition to the white brown pink or whatever color noise you prefer
0: in terms of the brown noise so I read somewhere that some dogs don't like the brown noise and it actually unsettles them but I don't mm. know if that's anecdotal or scientific or, or what have you so for me whether it's music the tv uh, and I agree with you Stacey about the tv there's too many you, there's too many unknowns involved about what you're going to get yes. um even if you have a, on a nice nature program if an ad comes on you just don't know what you're going to get so um yeah I'd be cautious with the tv so I, I think personally like see what your dog reacts to the best um, mm-hmm. in terms of if being soothing um, because uh, i have one client she sent me a video and she'd put on meditation for the stuff of the dog and it was a bloke it was a bloke speaking and honestly it was so bloody annoying i just i just it, it made me grind my teeth like it was really irritating and i sent her a message saying hmm, maybe you should put on something else because it was irritating the crap out of me. I don't know what it was doing for your dog.
2: <laughs> I think with Alexa, I know that when I've stayed um, at a family's house and she had a, they had an Alexa and we tried brown noise on that and what I didn't realise is Alexa puts adverts in. So after 20 oh, minutes... Oh, if you thing, don't there's... have a... Yeah. I... Yeah. What I guess you... I
1: have a Spotify account, so I play it through Spotify
0: and, and I don't get advertisements. Yeah, because we were like... What? Yeah. She said advertisements. <laughs> I was just wondering what 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 language she was speaking.
2: <laughs> English, English, my dear. Is it an advertisement? Was she, she being Australian? No, uh, no, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, adverts on, on, on Alexa, not good. Um so yeah, yeah I think I think YouTube's pretty safe, isn't it, generally?
0: Oh, not necessarily.
1: It's some of them do have the- advertisements as well. Adverts as well.
0: No, no, no. Advertisements.
2: Advertisements. Yes. We're gonna go on a potato and ads? Potatoes Can we all and agree on
1: ads
0: or no? Ads, ads is good. Ads works. Okay. Yeah. All right. No advert. No, <laughs> not no we word. can't have adverts. No. Sorry, um, I'm a grammar Nazi, so, you know, <laughs> oh. we, have ad- we have adverts over here. <laughs> um, there is a
1: blog on soundproofing. Some of the suggestions are expensive, but a lot of them are cheap. But we can link to those in the show notes if anybody wants to go wild with it. hmm there's um who's the blog say. it's not a it's not dog related it's like building people oh oh yeah. Yeah. it's good it's not it's um... not it's not our people, <laughs> <laughs> our people. Uh,
2: there is um there is a, a website that is our people the um have you oh, seen the it? eileen yeah i um eileen and dogs have you seen that oh yeah, yeah. She's yeah. good. so she does a lot of uh, there's a lot of um articles on her website about sound sensitivity and soundproofing, particularly around um, you know, the the common um suggestion that you use a crate to soundproof. Uh, And she talks about how how difficult that actually is, uh, especially considering how good a dog's hearing is and the frequencies that they pick up on. Um, Right. So there's an interesting article on there about that and about sound and using sound and frequencies. So we'll put that in the. I'll wave that at you. You can put that in the show notes as well.
0: Okay. So once so once we've covered set management in terms of proofing,
1: there's one more management thing that I wanted to. (sighs) Okay,
0: go on. It's
1: quick, Ness. It's so quick. (laughs) Um, If you have a doorbell, uh, a lot of for a lot of dogs, it can help if you just disconnect that, because. you know, obviously, depending on, oh, wait, what, Sarah?
2: You can get silent doorbells now as well, can't
0: you? Yes,
1: yeah, silent doorbells or ones that text your phone. Or-
0: I'm sorry, I'm confused. What is the point of a silent doorbell? It doesn't ring. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: it's, it's, the, it's the sort of like the Wi-Fi job, isn't it? So what they do is they just send you a um a message to, to your phone apps. or your computer or something to say there's someone at the door. But
0: well, what if you yeah. don't have your phone? What if you're cooking in the kitchen and your phone's in the lounge room? How would you know there's someone at the door?
2: I don't know. Well, you probably have, if you if you had a silent doorbell, you'd probably have your phone with you though, wouldn't you? If you you wouldn't want to leave it in case somebody came to the door.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Anyways, or you could put <laughs> a sign on it saying don't ring it. Uh, if it's a big trigger for your dog.
0: Yeah, because people read signs at the door, don't they?
1: Yes. They do. <laughs> and they respect them.
0: They read yeah. signs uh-huh. and they respect them.
1: <laughs> okay. If management alone isn't enough, then, then the owner has to do some training.
0: Yes, so that's what I was going to say. Desensitisation training would involve um, trying to get your dog used to some sounds. Um, I just wanted to mention, and I'll link this in the show notes, and, oh, God, I can't even remember the name of it now. There's a UK um, website, Sarah, so you might know this, um, for noise-phobic dogs, um, and they cover fireworks, storms, Um, other day-to-day noises Um, you get a pdf it's free Um, and you they actually have noises um, like a soundtrack so you can actually and the pdf walks you through how to desensitize your dog to whatever they're scared of or whatever's their trigger um, which could be quite valuable to people to get them started and off topic um, especially for firework dogs that are scared of fireworks and storms it's a really good desensitization strategy there um what is it called it is called it's the dog's trust yes dogs thank trust. you
2: sarah yes <laughs> very good yes i know the the behavior who was who was who had a lot to do with that okay uh, from okay. from the royal vet college it's uh what is it now it's the dog's trust sounds i'll link to it in the show notes anyway yeah, i can't remember the
0: exact name but yeah i've done some videos on des- desensitization using that great can people find that on your website or where can they find that sarah uh it's easy to if we
2: put the link up in the show notes it's easy to find if you google dogs trust and yeah yeah no
0: i meant your um, videos
2: Do you know i can't remember where it is now <laughs> i think actually it might be on my uh, dogs at home one from a long time ago it's been a while since i did it
0: uh but if yeah. you dig out the link i'll put it in the show notes as well be good
2: cool yep yep so there's lots of sounds on there as well there's lots of different ones isn't there it's not just fireworks yeah. but the things like construction noises yeah everyday noises yeah. Shot, uh, yeah and bin men and all that kind of stuff it's all on there
1: so in addition to desensitizing do you either of you suggest that people connect a behavior with a sound like, um, for instance, the dog hears something and it runs to the front door barking, do either of you suggest um, having your dog run to a mat or anything like that,
2: doing um, a behavior in addition to sensitizing? I did. That very thing today, Stacey, with a client, we spoke about people walking past the house and her dog shouting at them. So Mm -hmm. what we suggested was that she give the dog a, a, a different behavior to do other than barking at the door which would be going into the kitchen to her mat and being showered with lovely yummy food yes uh, yeah. to, to create a nice association with the thing outside rather than a bad one which she currently has right.
1: right yeah I really like to do that as well and I think if you can do it consistently enough when you are around then the Thing that's triggering your dog can become a cue for them to do that behavior even when you're not home yeah so that's kind of the goal but it is you know you do have to be consistent so
2: for sure and it certainly won't hurt if you do it and if you do it enough
1: if you are moving into an apartment um I would be like say you've been living in a house or even if you're just I guess moving, whenever you're moving, there's new sounds. Right. And so what I would always recommend is, you know, have a pot of treats ready, like high value treats ready. And just, you know, those first couple of weeks, just dedicate yourself to your dog. hears a sound and you just, you know, give them, give them yummy treats Um, because it is, you know, during that initial time, I think you have a really great opportunity to take something that they're not reacting to and get in front of it.
0: Sure. Um, And also be aware that just because you can't hear a sound doesn't Mm -hmm. mean your dog can't, because I did have one client that was in a high rise and it was one of those high rises. So it wasn't a complex so much where there were, well, it was a complex, but there were several high rises so not just like low rise um units all facing each other around a central area but like huge high rises all facing each other and uh she, the dog was reacting to our exterior noises and she couldn't figure it out and I was, I was look, watching the video saying there's something going on that you can't hear because it was more than evident that the dog was reacting to something externally but uh it was she just couldn't pinpoint what it was because she couldn't hear it so yeah
1: that's that's always tricky though
0: yeah, yeah it was tricky yeah yeah
1: hard to desensitize something that you don't perceive
0: no no but you can you could see the dog go from happy as Larry to there's something wrong here no. okay so then
1: what are some of the other challenges associated with apartment living and home alone training
0: well it's, it's like it's like with a house okay so often there's an external door to go outside so that's the door you train for your you know to train your dog to be home alone um that's you work around that door to go out but with the lift you've got your front door and then you've got the lift to go down and, and assuming that the dog can hear you know, obviously they see you go out the front door, but they can also hear the lift opening and shutting. So then you've got to do work around the lift and um, desensitising your dog to having the lift open and shut and you possibly mm-hmm. leaving by that lift. So that would be one challenge. Mm.
2: And then you've got the time frame on top of that as well. So how long it takes them for the lift to arrive, for them to get in it, to go down in it and get out of it at the bottom, depending on the size of the apartment.
0: And, and then it's and back in and coming all the way back up. <laughs> not just that, though, Sarah. Often, when you get into the lift, your camera goes dead. Your white, you know, whatever you're oh, using right. to watch your dog, you lose that connection, so you don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's a happen. whole other. Yeah, I bet
2: that's a real challenge, isn't it? The, the elevators, particularly in the in the bigger apartments. I know that with one of um, a client of mine, a recent one they're quite high up and they leave they would go out of their exit door then there's another set of doors that then go into an atrium where the lift is mm. and then to go down in the lift to the exit door and then back up again I think they timed it and they reckoned that on a worst case scenario would be about seven minutes wow so that's, quite a, that's a long time yeah if you, have to stop, you know on other floors and all that so to, to put all that in
0: that's significant you, yeah
2: it is that's massive isn't it so when you know the plans on that are afoot um, yeah
0: so so Sarah in that case we, you'd have to mm-hmm. work with consistency a lot of consistency build up right. over that seven minutes maybe get to 15 minutes before you actually yeah. went down in the lift so you might simulate it by opening the door and shutting it and then but staying yeah. staying upstairs and hopefully the dog thinks you've gone down but so you're building yeah. up that time because once you're down there you can't rush back if. If no, your dog starts no. reacting, you're screwed.
2: No, I mean fortunately that that there are a couple, so it does mean that we can we can do it. Um, we can help in a little bit of a sneaky way where we can leave one of them, uh, upstairs downstairs. near the apartment, and the, while the other one goes down in the lift, so we can, kind of cut the time in half, where mm-hmm. one will go back in if they need to. When when so, the other ones. The um, the
1: so, lift. are you handling that more like? pre-departure cues then where you're not adding that in until they've gotten maybe 30 minutes or so of duration.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I would hate to, ha- hate to take that risk of them, of something happening and, the, you know, them getting stuck and not being able to get back up with the dog then falling apart. I mean, that would just be heartbreaking wanting to get a good duration and then it all go wrong. So, yeah, but it is something that we've had to factor in
0: or think about right from the beginning. I suppose it's a bit like driving off in your car, though. I mean, you're not going to drive Mm. off in your car until you're confident the dog's consistent at a certain time.
2: Yeah, yeah. But then, And then you've got the the similar thing of what if your lift gets stuck?
0: Oh, God, (laughs) you're screwed then. Yeah. That's why it's good your couple's got, or they're a couple, not one single person working on it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, or, or you've got the other scenario where you've got a fairly or a decent sized block where you don't have an elevator and you've got stairs and then the time it takes to get down the stairs and back up again and you've then got the added problem of the fact that you can only go up and down the stairs a number of times before you can no longer go up down the (laughs) stairs because your legs stop working
0: (laughs) that's a good way to get fit
2: (laughs) that sure is that's always an
1: interesting piece is like now, I need you to time for how long it takes you to get from here to here. And then mm. you kind of have to work the plan around that, right? Because yeah. mostly your warm up steps aren't going to include going down the stairs because it takes too long to go down the stairs and come back up
0: um, for your warm up
1: steps. The timing stuff can be a little bit tricky. Um, but for, for my experience with clients, the environmental noise stuff has been the biggest factor or the biggest thing about living in a park that affects training. Because mm. um, the other stuff we we just kind of work around.
2: It's, yeah, the, the noises and the noises of other people who are on the same floor going in and out of their doors and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the biggest thing time-wise would, would be getting from your exit door of your apartment to the exit door of the building and Mm -hmm. back again and the time frame involved in that right right
1: well and then some dogs do get a bit triggered like if in the beginning you hadn't added in the stairs going from your door to the outer door some dogs will get triggered with that so then you have to kind of treat it like a pre-departure cue where you drop your time and add that in.
2: I suppose it's a bit like adding a gate, isn't it? If you've got, you know, with a house and you've got, a, you go out your door and then you go down the path and then you open the gate. Right. It'd be a similar, similar kind of thing, isn't it? The the doors. Mm-hmm. At least the one, the one good thing about being in an apartment is if you're high enough, if you go out in your car, your dog can't hear it yeah that's true the car is not a (laughs) factor
1: bonus (laughs) yeah that's true
0: thank you so much for listening to tales from the doghouse separation anxiety explained if you like us please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends you can find us on apple spotify stitcher google and many other listening apps i am ness jones i am in australia and you can find me on facebook at separation anxiety in dogs decoded uh, reach out if you need a help from a specialist
1: i am stacy bell in the united states with focused fun You can find me on Facebook and Instagram
2: at Dogs, and my website is FocusFun.net. And I'm Sarah McLaren and you can find me at Separation Anxiety Solutions. That's either on on my webpage or on Facebook or on Instagram. All the same name. Thank you so much for listening again and we hope that you get as much pleasure out of listening to this as we do actually making them. Thank you.
0: Bye. 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 Cool. Awesome.